book of Ezekiel, and Ezekiel was written about 600 years before the Lord Jesus was on the earth. Uh, and so, of course, Ezekiel is one of the prophets, uh, and he's prophesying here about what the Lord said that he wanted to do. And this is in Ezekiel 36. It starts at verse 26 and says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Uh, and, and this is a prophecy of what the Lord was going to do uh, in creating the church, right, to establish a church uh, as a people that had uh, born-again spirits and then had the Spirit of God in us, right? He said, I will put my spirit within you. Uh, but before that, before he could put his spirit within us, he said, I need to give you a new heart and a new spirit. <clears throat> and if you go through the plan of redemption, of course, we're not going to go through the plan of redemption, but if you went through the plan of redemption, all the things that, that worked up to the cross, you know, the Lord Jesus had to lay groundwork. And he had to lay down uh, laws from the old covenant and, and establish a covenant with mankind uh, in the earth and to set up all these laws. And a lot of the laws of the old covenant, you know, there's a lot of practical laws, but a lot of the laws were kind of not loopholes, but uh, things that he set up so that he had a legal right to come in and do the things uh, in redemption that he planned to do and desired to do. Uh, and then, then he set all that up so when he came to the cross, he could consummate all of those plans. Uh, and and the, greatest, the greatest result of redemption wasn't the removal of sin. We're thankful that the Lord, uh, with his blood, washed away our sins. But that wasn't the end goal. That was a, a step, a part of, of the end goal, which is to get his spirit in us. That was the actual end goal of redemption. Uh, and to, to do that, he had to, first of all, remove sin uh, and pay for the sin on the cross. But that still didn't help us any because, you know, we, if we committed a sin the very next uh, second, we're still in the same boat that we were. But after he took care of the sin problem, then he could uh, put a new spirit within us because our spirits, he said, uh, Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, a man must be born again. Uh, and so then he put a new spirit in us, but that still wasn't the end goal. Uh, the end goal was now we have a new spirit and we're qualified, we're capable of containing and, and having the spirit of God come within us. And he couldn't put his spirit in us until he gave us a new spirit. And he couldn't put a new spirit in us until he had this, the sin problems dealt with. Uh, and so, you know, all of those things that he planned from uh, really from Genesis chapter 3 until the end of uh, uh, the, the consummation of redemption, which really occurred at the resurrection, all of that was to get his spirit in us. And that's a lot of work. Amen. Uh, and, it, and it cost a lot on his part to, in order to pay for that. Amen. To pay for the, the removal of our sins by his blood uh, and to allow us to have a new spirit uh, in us so that once we had a new spirit, now we're qualified because before we had a dead spirit, right? Paul said that I was alive without the law once, but uh, when sin revived, uh, when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. He, your spirit was dead before uh, in, in the sense of not having the life of God in it. Your spirit was not qualified to receive the, the spirit of God. And so your spirit had to be reborn. Jesus told Nicodemus, you had to be reborn, born anew. Uh, and, of course, the New Covenant tells us, the New Testament says that we have, uh, we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So the Lord needed you to have a new spirit in order to, to be qualified because the, the life of God cannot coexist with a dead spirit. So he needed your spirit to be made brand new by being born again. Uh, that's what it means to be born again is really you get a new spirit. Uh, he needed that spirit to be new 
and to have the life of God in it, to be qualified to receive the, the Spirit of God. And for that, you know, that, that's a big deal, amen? That's something that the, that the Old Testament saints did not have access to was uh, both a new spirit and having the Spirit of God on the inside of them. They did interact with the Spirit of God on occasion. You know, oftentimes you'll see phrases like the hand of the Lord came upon them, the Spirit of God came upon them. But you never see where it says that the Spirit of God was in them, right? Uh, and the, there's some phrases in the Old Covenant. You know, we're not going to go through all, the, all those things like that. Uh, but the, for the Spirit of God to dwell and live in you, uh, he needed to first fix the problem with your spirit. Uh, and he prophesied this 600 years before Jesus uh, came to the earth. And then Jesus told Nicodemus these very same things. And, of course, he didn't understand. You know, he, to him, that was such, a, uh, such an odd thing for Jesus to say. And yet uh, Ezekiel had prophesied this. And Nicodemus was a Pharisee. You know, he, he knew the law. He knew the old covenant law. Uh, and the prophets, you know, he would have studied these things. But it didn't make any sense. They didn't know what these things meant, right? You know, it's easy for us because we have hindsight. We can read these uh, prophecies and go, oh, well, that's obviously talking about the New Testament church. That's not talking about some pie in the sky sometime in the future. This is talking about the New Testament church and what the Lord Jesus planned for us. Uh, but for folks like Nicodemus and even for Jews today, you know, the Jewish nation, uh, they still believe in the Messiah that's to come. But in their mind, a Messiah is not the son of God and deity. The Messiah is a king or a warrior, you know, a natural person that's going to do some natural things uh, and restore the kingdom of David and, and those things. And, of course, the Lord will do those things, but that, that's not the primary intent of the Messiah. The primary intent of the Messiah is to complete Ezekiel thirty six twenty six and get these things and establish the church. Now we're the hand of God on the earth, uh, his representatives here, uh, to complete the work that the Lord started when he was on this earth. Uh, and we do that because we have a new spirit in us and his spirit within us. And you think about that, you know, the, uh, the spirit of God, if you go through the plan of creation, it was really the Lord's design. It was uh, orchestrated by the Lord Jesus and the power to create the universe was was initiated by the Holy Spirit. And so that same power that created all the planets and stars and moons and, and blades of grass and bugs and, you know, critters uh, that lives on the inside of you. That spirit, his spirit, he said, his spirit is living on the inside of you. Uh, and, and so what, it, what do you think in this whole uh, world are you not able to overcome if his spirit lives on the inside of you? Well, there's nothing, right? I mean, there, there's nothing that you can come up, come up against in this life that would be more powerful than the presence of God living on the inside of you. And, of course, you have to appreciate that. You have to believe that. You have to uh, know that that's so and to, ex and to energize it by your faith. Uh, and if you'll do that, then you'll find that that same spirit, the Bible says, same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Same spirit, not a different spirit. Same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And it took a lot of power to raise Jesus from the dead. He was in the, in, in the pangs of hell, the Bible says, uh, and uh, the spirit of God had to, had to raise him from the dead. He said, then he put that same spirit on the inside of you. Uh, and so, and that was prophesied 600 years before it ever occurred, amen? Now, and so we're thankful for, for the Lord's prophecy and, and laying out the groundwork for these things. Uh, and it's an awesome and precious thing that we have to be born-again children of the Most High God, amen? Uh, and so let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get into praise and worship. Thank you. Yes, you have. 
thank you for your goodness, Father. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father. Father, I will sing of your goodness, Father. I will Yes, Father. Thank you. So good, Father. So good, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you for your goodness and mercy, and especially, Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father, for your kindness that you've shown to us, the peace that you've given to us, Father. Lord, so much for the Spirit of God that you've given to us to live on the inside of us. We thank you for these things. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just while we were singing, the Lord just showed me that there's folks here that, and I'll just tell you the way he said it, but just from a mental standpoint, you know, the devil can come and put sickness and disease on our physical bodies but he can also oppress our, our minds and cause us mental anguish more than just the, the normal cares of the world and the cares of day-to-day life uh, but beyond that in the area of oppression uh, and the way the Lord showed me he said it's like, it's like a knot uh, in, in, uh, in someone's mind where they just can't get it unwound can't figure this thing out and it, and it won't leave them <clears throat> And, you know, the Spirit of God, part of the ministry of the Spirit of God is to break the chains of oppression of the enemy in our lives. Amen? Um, and so if you've been dealing with any kind of mental anguish that you just can't resolve, can't get it uh, taken care of, just out of the normal, just living for the Lord in faith, uh, if, if you need help in that area, the Spirit of God is here. He spoke to, he spoke to us supernaturally to deal with that. Amen? And so if you'd like prayer for that, uh, if you'll come up here, we'll pray for that. Amen. The Spirit of God will do His work uh, and break that chain out of your life. So if you've been dealing with any kind of mental anguish that you just can't resolve, and you'd like prayer for that, uh, we'll pray for you right now. Amen. The Spirit of God will destroy that out of your life. We're thankful for these things. Amen. We're thankful that the Spirit of God is able to destroy and to assist and to help us. Amen. We're thankful that there's no age limit uh, to this at all. Amen. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. The Lord will provide assistance. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for the great power of the Most High God. Father, we thank you that there's nothing even difficult for you to do in this earth. And Father, by the authority of the Lord Jesus, break this chain over this life in Jesus name command this mind to be well and whole and strong clear father to hear from heaven father we break this knot in the name of Jesus it has to go it will go and as of right now father it is gone we thank you for that father in the name of Jesus you're the breaker of chains father and the untire of knots thank you father in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. It's done. Father, we thank you. From this day forward, Father. Clarity of mind, Father. Peace of mind. 
will guard this heart and mind. We thank you, Father, for freedom in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for healing in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for divine deliverance by the power and the presence of the Most High God. And Father, I rebuke this not in Jesus' name. I rebuke, rebuke these oppressive thoughts in the name of Jesus. And you will cease and desist in your operation in this life. Father, I thank you for complete and total victory. 100% victory, Father. Clarity of mind. Waking up and seeing things, Father. Not seen in, in even days and in months, Father. Father, clarity and peace of mind, Father. That I've not known for a season. Father, I thank you for complete victory. Total victory in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father, that even in, in the next days and weeks, Father, that knot will try to return and will tempt him to, Father, to receive that knot again. And he'll say, no, in the name of Jesus. I refuse to receive this again. I refuse to ever allow this back into my life. So, Father, I thank you that you'll speak to him. Father, remind him about the diligence and the faith that's necessary to stand the ground of victory. Father, I thank you for complete and total victory. In the name of Jesus. Freedom of mind, Father. Freedom of thought, Father. In the name of Jesus. Father, it's done. The power of God, Father, breaks every chain and destroys the works of the enemy. We thank you for that, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, we thank you that you desire us to live in complete and total victory each and every day, Father. In every area of our life, Father. Spirit, soul, and body. You desire us to have healing in our bodies, Father. Wellness of mind and a complete and total redemption of our spirits, Father. You created every realm that there is, Father, and you desire us to prosper in every realm that there is. Father, you didn't, you didn't limit your blessings to only the realm of the spirit. You included the soul, Father, and our mind and our will and our emotions. You included the natural realm, Father, and our bodies to be free from every weight and sin, Father free from every sickness and disease. So, Father, we thank you. We praise you for these things, Father. We give you the honor for the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good all the time. Amen. You know, the, <clears throat> one of the things, that Brother Hagin said this thing, said this phrase many times, that, uh, you know, if you, attend, if you attend a word church, you know, over over any length of time. Well, the word church will teach you faith, teach you about the Spirit of God, teach you about these things. Uh, and he said uh, <clears throat> that the number, one, the number one need, the number one thing that the church needs uh, is uh, not to be born again, because if you're part of the church, well, hopefully you're born again. But he said to have the renewing of the mind. And the renewing of the mind just means that your mind thinks like the Lord thinks. Amen? Uh, you know, the Lord thinks good thoughts about you. Amen? That's what he thinks about you, is good thoughts. 
you know, if you think that the Lord doesn't think good thoughts about you, then you need your mind renewed. Because when you think like the Lord thinks, see, I think like the Lord thinks about me. He loves me. Uh, I'm his child. He would do anything for me. Uh, th that's what I think, amen? I think that I'm on my way to heaven. I think that he desires to bless me, to prosper me, to increase me, to keep me health and whole, uh, healthy and whole, amen? Uh, because that's what the Word says. And so I just think like the Word thinks, amen? Uh, and I never think that I'm no count unworthy of no value to the Lord or anybody. I've had people tell me that, but, you know, they tell me that I'm no count and, and, and unworthy, and then uh, my heart says, yes, but a king died for me. So if you think I'm more unworthy, that's not really my problem. I mean, that's so, so far from, uh, I, I just could never accept if somebody says that I'm unworthy. Now, you know, I can accept that they think that I'm unworthy. Okay, that's fine. But if they say that I'm unworthy, you know, it's like, that's just so, there's just, there's no way for me to ever think that because I know what the word says. Because my mind's renewed to the word. Well, the, the uh, blood was shed for me. Precious blood was shed for me. And you're going to call me unworthy. It's like, this, there's no way that's possible. Amen? Uh, but see, how many times have, has a, a, a person, sometimes even in the church, will tell you, well, you're unworthy. You're no count. And then you'll, you'll accept that. You'll receive that. And, you, and you'll be in the mully grubs for days, weeks, months, you know. Sometimes years, you'll walk away from the Lord, walk away from his church. Uh, and I'm just, you know, I'm not worthy of the Lord's blessings. And the Lord's like, what? I thought I died for you. You know, I sent my own, my own son for you. I didn't send, a, you know, a cow, you know, a goat. You know, that was old covenant. That was kind of temporary stopgap measures. He said, I sent my son for you. How could you possibly be unworthy to receive my blessings? He paid a great price for you to receive his blessings, didn't he? Uh, and if he did, then we should never feel unworthy. Uh, I've had lots of people, just, just regular Christians, you know, I just feel unworthy of the blessings of the Lord. It shows how little faith they have in what God really did for them. Because if you really believe what God did for you, you'd be like, I want it all, Lord. Because from his side, he's like, I want to give you all. I want to give you everything you could possibly need. He said, I've given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. I paid the price to give you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Uh, and that's what I want for you. Well, I'm unworthy, Lord, to receive that. And the Lord's like, What? Did you, do you have a different Bible than what I gave to you? You know, do you have some newfangled translation, right? Uh, the hesitation translation? Uh, you know, it's in first hesitations, right? Uh, and so uh, what, kind of, what kind of translation do you have? Uh, I know there's more than the King James, but even the King James would tell you more than that. Amen, if you just read it. Uh, and so I just never, I never think that way. I never think, Lord, I'm unworthy. Now, if the Lord Jesus appeared to me right now, I would follow my, I, I mean, I would feel unworthy to be in his presence just because I, I know that I'm, I'm not, you know, uh, in that regards, I would feel very unworthy, right? Uh, <clears throat> but when I read his word and it says, I desire to bless you and give you revelation, and give you insight and wisdom and show you things to come, uh, my response is, okay, I'll take it all, Lord. If that's what you, if that's what you want to give me, I'll, I will receive it, amen? I'm not taking anything, I'm only receiving. He's already given it to me. Uh, I'm just, uh, I only need to receive it. Well, I'm unworthy to receive it. Well, you didn't earn it to begin with. You know, when you say you're unworthy, you're, you're implying that, you, that you're, it's necessary for you to do something to earn his favor. Uh, you didn't do anything to earn his favor. He chose as an act of his will, as a sovereign being, to grant you favor. That's the whole, uh, one of the primary definitions of grace is unmerited favor. Unmerited, unearned, unqualified favor. 
you did nothing to earn it. And you can never do anything to, to, to keep it. Amen? You remain in it because he desires for you to remain in it. And if we would think that, if we would get our minds renewed, see, it's just our minds renewed thinking like the word thinks about us. Now, if you could think that, there's nothing you couldn't accomplish in this earth. Amen? Nothing you couldn't do. Uh, and w- when the trials of life come your way, you're like, it's just a thing. Amen? Uh, just a thing. When people are unkind to you, and pe- you know, people are just, can be the meanest people in the world. Amen? You know where the meanest people in the world are? Most of the time, they're in church, right? <laughs> you ever seen the meanest people in the world in church? Now, I also know that the nicest people I know are in the church too, right? There is a balance to that statement. Uh, but for some reason, some of the meanest people ever meet are churchgoers, amen? I mean, just mean. Mean as a snake mean, right? Uh, and just cut you to the bone if they could uh, with a smile and, and a handshake at the same time, right? Uh, and so you know, the Lord is definitely unpleased with that, I know. Uh, but still... When those things come, and, and they do, right? People will say the most unkind thing to you. Uh, and um, I talk to all kinds of people. who I don't go to church because someone did something mean to me at church, you know. And I'm sure that thing probably happened. I don't really, I don't doubt that it did happen. You know, but my thinking is, I wouldn't let nobody keep me out of church. You're going to be mean to me? I'll love you to the end, amen. Uh, and, and smile as you stab me in the back because a king died for me, Amen. Uh, he died for you too if they just don't realize it, you know. Uh, and so uh, I wouldn't let somebody change my course and direction because if they do, then they're my God. Amen? Because he, he said that the, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. But if I take, if I take a, a, a hang a hard left from that steps that the Lord's given to me because of what somebody else said, then I'm following their plan for my life instead of his plan for my life. Uh, and people do that all the time. They will change their course and direction of their life because of somebody and not the king. <clears throat> and you, wanna, you can't beat me away uh, from the plan of God in my life. Amen? Uh, you want to be mean to me uh, you know, and I, as a pastor? It's amazing to me. Uh, you know, I, I don't, uh, don't dwell on it at all. It doesn't bother me. But it does amaze me how unkind people can be to a pastor, right? Just, I mean, just, you know, just say the mean, meanest things to the pastor. You know, just... Uh, even when, before I was a pastor, I would see people go up and put notes on my pastor's podium five minutes before the service. And he'd open it up and you're a dog, you're a double dirty dog, you know, you're terrible. It's like, you're a terrible human being to do that, right? Why don't you do that on a Monday when nobody can see it, right? Or do it on a Tuesday afternoon when, when, when there's not a service that's fixing to start, amen? They'll wait right before, I've been walk out in the hallway and, and somebody will be, uh, I walked out in the hallway one time and this fellow was saying, he, now, he said these words to my pastor in the hallway right before service started. He said, you've always treated me like a bastard child. That's what he said to my pastor. Now, you know, and, and look, I mean, I, I was not always sanctified. And I, and I considered being unsanctified for just a minute but for him to disrespect my pastor like that. You know, you've always treated me. And the thing is, it was so untrue. My pastor gave him so many opportunities to minister, to speak from his pulpit, to bless him. He helped him financially, all kinds of ways. But it wasn't enough, amen? Sometimes enough is never enough for some people, amen? Doesn't matter what they get. And so we need to think like the Word thinks. Yes. Think like, if, whenever the Word t- tells, so, says something about you, believe it, yes. amen? You are seated in, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus right now. That's what the Word says about you. Amen. Right now, you are seated in, in heavenly places. And in and, and, and the previous chapter, that's Ephesians chapter 2, and in chapter 1, he says, far above all principalities, powers, and mights, and dominion. Far above. Was that true? 
most people are wallowing around with, with all devils in every, uh, all directions around them, you know. Well, the Bible says you need to be far above those things. We're wallowing around in the mud all the time with the, with the devil. I'm fighting with the devil, brother, all week long. You know, I went to a revival one time. It was a, a, a lady evangelist of some kind, and she was preaching. <clears throat> it's supposed to be a, a revival, right, uh, in quotes there. And But she was up there. She's like, she did this right here. She said, oh, the devil's been on my back all week long. I can't even stand up. He's been on my back. And, I'm, and, you know, now I'm in the back, you know, I'm raising my hand, you know, see if they call me because I have a question, right? <clears throat> and I really didn't raise my hand, but in my heart I raised my hand. Because I have a question. Why are you letting the devil ride your back? Kick him off. No, you can't be here. And, oh, and, and, like, and I'm thinking, how do I feel? Re- I don't feel revived at all. Uh, and, and she's trying to revive us. And, uh, and you know, of course, that's, some, that's people's mentality. Life is so hard. It's so hard. It's life is so hard. It's just so hard. You're on your way to heaven. If you died right now, you'd be in glory. How hard could it be? Amen. Uh, and well, you're just making light of my troubles. And uh, you take authority. You have the name of Jesus. The name that's above how many names? Every name. You know, I was at the doctor one time and, and, and I was dealing with something and I said, you know, doctor, it seems to hurt when I do this. And he asked me some questions and, and, and he said, oh, well, you, uh, you've got arthritis. And I said, oh, well, it's just arthritis then. He said, oh, don't say it's just arthritis. That's a serious disease. I've got the name of Jesus. Everything against the name of Jesus is just whatever it is. Because the name of Jesus, then, I, oh, I've got the name of Jesus. Well, then I bind you arthritis because you've played your hand. You've exposed your name. And if you've exposed your name, then I've got a name above that name. And, that, and that, I just, I think that way. I live that way. Amen. It's not pie in the sky. This is today. Amen. He's given us a name. Uh, and at that name, how many knees shall bow? Every knee shall bow. Has it got a, you got a name you're dealing with? Then, it's got a, then it has to bow before the name of Jesus. Amen. I think that way. I live that way. I choose to live that way. But see, you don't have to live that way. It's just a choice. You can either live that way or just complain about the devil's been on my back all week long. It's just so hard. It's so hard. Life is so hard. Like you're preaching. They're going to give you money here in a minute. How hard can it be? <clears throat> uh, you know, it's just, it's just some people, you know, they just, uh, they got to stoke up every problem in their life. If you talk to me for, for an hour, you, you'll think this, per- this person has no problems in his life. And, and I, I don't really talk about my problems. Because they're just a thing. Me and Chris, you know, we deal with something and, and we'll just say, let's just see how the, I can't wait to see how the Lord's going to get us out of this. I know he will. I don't know how he will, but I know he will. And it's always, a, it's always and we're so thankful. It's always a miraculous thing. Amen. Things just work out. Uh, and, and, and we're so thankful that he does those things. Amen. Uh, and so let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 7. We'll continue there today. We've been talking about the wonderful verses here about not judging each other. And um, is it good news? Well, it is good news because Jesus is telling us these things. Amen. Uh, he said, starting in verse 1, and we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. So that's uh, uh, most of chapter 5, all of chapter 6, and all of chapter 7. So Jesus gave this long dissertation here. And it just sense good, it felt good to me to, to go through. Uh, if he spent this much time talking to us, I thought it would be good for us to spend some time seeing what he told us. Amen. Uh, and he said, judge not that you be not judged. And so we talked about, you know, judgment is an opinion, right? I have an opinion about that. I have an opinion about somebody and uh, about their eternal destiny. A lot of, a lot of the church will, will declare somebody's eternal destiny. Well, they're going to die and go to hell. And I hear that all the time. 
And they'll have a list of sins, right? Well, this sin will send you to hell. This sin will send you to hell. And I, you know, I'm thinking, well, I thought Jesus, I thought his blood covered all sins. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll pass judgment. Well, I think establishing somebody's eternal destiny is above my pay grade. I can't judge that. And in fact, I say all the time, I am no man's judge. Uh, you know, if somebody tells me, well, I, I accepted Jesus. Okay, well then, as far as I'm concerned, you're going to heaven. Well, well, and then somebody else say, well, no, they, not, they can't go to heaven because they did this thing, did that thing. But they, they, they t- testified over here that they accepted Jesus. Well, I don't think they'll go to heaven. Well, I'm not their judge. You know, and people say, well, can they go to heaven if they're doing this sin? I'm not your judge. Now, all I need to know is, have you accepted Jesus? Yeah, then as far as I know, you're going to heaven. Amen. Well, what if I commit this sin? Well, we talked, we've been talking Wednesday nights about the sin of the death, and we're not going to go into all that here. But a lot of times the church is, is stepping in as, as judge. Well, that's not my position. That is way above my pay grade. Uh, now, I know the, the, the Word of God tells us we'll see what some of the things that Jesus said about judgment. Jesus actually said a lot about judgment, about his role as a judge. Uh, he said that the Father's put all the judgment into his hands. So even though the Father is the ultimate judge, he's given Jesus the right, the privilege to judge. And I know later on the Bible says that we will actually judge the angels. The church will judge the angels. And that's all it says. So I have no idea what that means. I mean, other than the fact that we will, but how does that work out? Why are we judging angels, right? And now, you know, there are fallen angels, so I'm assuming that's part of the angels we're going to judge. But are we going to judge Gabriel and, and, and uh, Michael, the archangel? Are we going to, I don't know, you know. Um, I'll just leave it alone because we don't have a lot of insight into that area. And so it says that. Uh, what that tells me, though, is that the Lord has elevated the place of humanity far above even angelic beings. If we're going to stand in judgment over them, then we stand in a position above them. Uh, and so, uh, but that's not for today. That was a, that's sometime in the future. But between now and then, Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. He said, for with the judgment that you judge, you shall be judged. And so, you know, a lot of people, oh, you can judge me as much as I've judged people. You wouldn't want that. People would say that, but they wouldn't really want to suffer under the judgment that they've given to other people. Amen. Uh, most people, they can, they can sure dish it out, but they can't ever take it. You, you ever just, uh, people that uh, say just unkind things and, you, and you'll just say something back to them and they just get so all mad and all puffed up. And, uh, and um, <clears throat> you know, I used to help out some of my people when I was with my pastor. Uh, <clears throat> I would do adult Sunday school class. Uh, and so uh, we were terrible as a church that when somebody left, we would talk about them, gossip about them, run them down, you know, tell them how awful they were. Anybody ever been to a church like that, right? Uh, somebody leaves and they're the worst person ever was five seconds after they left. Five seconds before that, they were the wonderful person, you know, that you've ever met. Uh, and, but then they left. And, and so, so what I would do to help the people is I would mention people's names that had left the church, right, in the Sunday school class. And I'd say, oh, you remember so-and-so? And I'd call them by name. You remember so-and-so? And you could just hear the people go, and, 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 well, why would I do that? Because I was trying to help them to see you're standing in judgment over this person that God won't bless them because they've left the church. In fact, somebody told me one time, he said, they told me, they said, if I leave the church, I will die. They told me that. If I leave the church, if I left the church with my pastor, I would die. I thought, really? Because what they're saying is they know the will of God for my life more than I know the will of God for my life. Amen. I've had people tell me, the will of God for you is to do this and this. And I'm like, what? really? The Spirit of God didn't tell me that. So how do you know the will of God for my life more than I know the will of God for my life? That's an amazing thing. That the Spirit of God would gossip about me to you without telling me. 
I mean, I, I know I don't hear everything necessarily, but I, I, you know, I do try to hear from the Lord. And I think if there's some major change in my life that he would t- tell me a major change is coming in my life. Uh, and, um, uh, but people, people, they leave the church, you know, God will never bless them. Well, see, that's judgment. You're standing in judgment that you've judged that they are unworthy to be blessed the rest of their life because they left your building. Uh, and that, you know, that's, we're terrible. That is not my role. I am not your judge. You leave this church, I'm not going to judge you. Are they going to be blessed with this church? That's between them and the Lord. Well, what if they left right? Well, then that's great. What if they left wrong? Well, none of my business. That's between them and the Lord Jesus. They don't answer to me. Amen. Even if you come to this church, you don't answer to me. I mean, you answer to, to the ministry in a sense that, you know, if you start acting up, you know, I'll say, hey, stop acting up, right? If you're disrupting the service, I, you know, I would be fine within my rights and privilege to say, stop, stop doing that. Amen. But, you know, if you go outside these buildings and do something crazy, well, don't you think you need to go say something to them? I would if the Spirit of God told me to say something to them, but otherwise it's none of my business. Amen? Uh, but people will judge him. Uh, I know, remember one person I saw in town, they said, oh, did you see so-and-so in town? Oh, yeah, she looks so old. They said that about this person. And, you know, and then the other one said, that wasn't enough judgment. The other one said, well, that's what sin will do to you. They said, they, so... They, they looked old, and that was their judgment for leaving the church. Is that a judgment? Thou shalt look old if you leave this church. Is that a, is that a judgment? I mean, they, they, that's what they, see, they judged her as being in sin for leaving the church. And they declared that because of that, thou will look old. <clears throat> that's, a, that's a mean-spirited judgment right there, right? And yet, with, with all glory in their hearts, oh, yeah. You know, oh yeah, that's exactly what happened. I am no man's judge. I am not your judge. Amen. Uh, and are you willing to, to subject yourself to that same level of judgment? When you make a mistake, uh, you're going to be okay when you get three wrinkles? Yeah, I got mad at my dog the other day and this wrinkle right here happened. You know, are you, are you going to be okay to receive that same level of judgment? To look old because you were unkind to your spouse? Or, you know, uh, they gave an extra dollar at Walmart in, in your change and you didn't tell them? Uh, I mean, do you, are you willing to, to withstand the same scrutiny, the same judgment that you've passed over this person? Are we, oh, yeah, yeah. No, you wouldn't. You'd all curl up in a fetal position and cry if you really were judged at the same level that you judge everybody else. Amen. And the same goes for me. I'm not pointing you out in particular. But, but uh, Jesus said, you know, it's, uh, this, is, this is being governed by the law of sowing and reaping. Amen. Uh, James says that, uh, that mercy smiles in the face of judgment. Amen. And he will judgment over those who, who have no mercy. Uh, well, see, I'm gonna, I want to sow mercy so that I can reap mercy. But see, if you, if you sow judgment, oh, that person over there, you know, just tell me. Well, how many times do we judge people uh, about their actions and, you know, what they, uh, and what happens a lot of times is, well, I think they shouldn't be able to do that. Well, I don't think they should do that, you know. Uh, and I can't tell you how many people I've talked to church well, I, I could go to church there because they told me I couldn't come because I, I didn't dress right. Um, you know, I was wearing blue jeans or uh, if I was a woman, I was wearing pants and I can't come to church there. You know, the pastor's wife came to me and said, uh, if you can't wear a dress, just don't come back to church. Well, see, that's standing in judgment, right? That's judging somebody. Is there a Bible verse that says, thou shalt wear a dress? Uh, I mean, you know, people, well, I know so the Old Testament talks about not wearing the clothes of a man, but... I mean, I wouldn't wear my wife's pants. They look like girl pants, right? I mean, you know, I, I know we're being a little facetious there, but I wouldn't wear them. Would you wear them? You know, I mean, no way, right? It'd be like, it'd be like, like, 
They'd give me that weird look. You know, they wouldn't say anything, but they'd be like, <clears throat> you know, uh, it'd, be, it'd be an uncomfortable situation, right? Uh, and so uh, it's not about the specifics. It's, it's what are you trying to look like? If you're trying to look like a man, you know, the, I mean, men used to wear kilts, right? I mean, a real man could wear a kilt and get away with it, right? I'm not sure if I'm manly enough to do that. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, it's, so you're not trying to look like a girl. Uh, amen. And so, uh, but there's a lot of judgment that gets passed in the church all the time. You know, we had uh, one lady she, there in praise and worship. She was just, just really uh, worshiping the Lord. And, uh, you know, 1 Corinthians 14 says you can, you can pray in the Spirit, or in other words, pray in tongues, and you can sing in the Spirit or sing in tongues. Well, you know, you can do that, right? Just in, in, during praise and worship, if, if it's just sometimes the words on the, on the song aren't sufficient to, to express your love for the Lord, you break out in tongues. And I've done that plenty of times, right? You just the words, you know, even if they're good words, sometimes they're not enough. And so you break out in tongues and you, you sing in the spirit, you sing in, the, in other tongues. And so someone was doing that and they called me. So somebody else was next to him and they called me on the, church, on, the, on the phone and said, that person's wrong. They shouldn't be doing that. You know, you want to get me riled up? You call me up and gossip about somebody else in the church. And I mean, I, I was under great constraint not to just blast them out of the water. Because said, well, you know the Bible says that's wrong. You know, don't call the pastor and tell him that I don't know the Word of God. Amen? I mean, I know I don't know everything about the Word of God. But unless you give me book, chapter, and verse of where I'm wrong, if you just say in general I'm wrong, you know, that's really foolish of you to do that. Amen? I had one lady call me up and say, well, you know, the Bible says you can't have Christmas trees, right? And I just kind of let it go. And she went, you know, the Bible says you, you can't have Christmas trees, right? I don't even know. I've never met this person. She just called me up out of the blue. It's like, why are you calling me? about Christmas trees. Well, you can't have Christmas trees, right? I mean, does she know? She's been spying on my church. She didn't come to her church, never visited her at a church. But you, you can't have Christmas trees, right? And she kept on and finally said, ma'am, I said, I don't know where it says anything about Christmas trees. She said, you don't read the Bible much, do you? <laughs> she, she judged me. She, she didn't know anything about me. Well, you don't read the, and and there's, some, there's some obscure verse in like Jeremiah that says don't worship trees or something to that effect. Like, I mean, who cares, right? Uh, but... Uh, and so she took that as if I come to church, if, you know, we have Christmas trees at church, and if you don't like it, we're going to have them, we'll probably have two of them if you don't like them. Uh, and so, but we have Christmas trees in the church, uh, and uh, because I like them, I think they look nice. Uh, and uh, have you ever seen me gone down to the tree and just bow my knee, and oh, oh thou Christmas tree, uh, you know, we worship you, you know, you're, you're our Savior, you brought so much into our lives. It's a tree, amen? It has no meaning other than its decoration. Well, you know, you can't have that because of Old Testament. Jeremiah says don't have Christmas trees. How would Jeremiah know not to even have Christmas trees because Christmas doesn't exist when Jeremiah was written? Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just people make up stuff, right? And then they judge you. Well, you don't read your scripture much. See, she judged me. She passed judgment over my life, and she doesn't know anything about me. No. And so it's just uh, uh, people are just, just amazing, Amen. Uh, I get judged all the time. As a, you know, as a pastor, you get judged a lot. You know, I don't like what you wear. I don't like, you know, I don't like how you got the, the uh, I mean, we got judged because we didn't turn, turn our blinds down one time. You guys don't turn your blinds down. We can't come to church there. Really? <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, uh, how much judgment do people pass over each other all the time? You're unworthy for me to come because you don't roll your blinds down. So you pass judgment. Amen. Uh, and see, the best way to live is just, uh, just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. What's it, what's it matter? Well, I can't concentrate. Well, then grow up. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would say if they would, you know, because they didn't tell me that. They told somebody else. Well, I don't go to church there because they don't close their blinds, right? They wouldn't tell me that. 
because my response would be like, I'd have to really constrain myself not to laugh in their face. They're like, really? You're kidding, right? How old are you? Do you have a driver's license? Uh, you surely aren't driving, right? Because you can't be old enough to drive if, you, if, if that bothers you, right? Uh, and so uh, he said, uh, the, the law of sowing and reaping uh, oversees judgment. Amen? So you, try to, you should try to keep the smallest footprint. Now, um, I'm going to tell you just a couple of things of what Jesus said about uh, his judgment, and then we'll look at uh, a couple of examples, if we have time, of, of Jesus when he had an opportunity to pass judgment. Uh, but, in fact, uh, Brother Tony was mentioning about this verse just last week in John 7, 24. It says, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. One translation says, judge not from personal regards, but judge according to justice. And, and that's the hardest thing because we all think we're right in everything that we do. In everything we believe and everything we say, we think that we're right. And that's our personal regards. Amen. And he said, but, but judge according to justice, you know, uh, what does the word say? And see, if the word's not super clear about something, well, then you've got to leave it alone. You know, uh, the, the Bible does say uh, some things that are, that are right and wrong. And, and before we get too much on that, we'll have to look at see what Jesus said about that. Uh, and so... But see, Jesus said it also in John chapter 12 and verse 47, he said, if any man hear my word and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. And what he's saying there really is that his judgment is, is being withheld until the end of time. Amen. Uh, there is just small amounts of judgment, but your eternal judgment, it, it will not happen until the end of time. And so for people to say that you're going to die and go to hell for certain sins, See, that, that's, that's pulling judgment ahead of, of the final judgment ahead of when it actually will occur. And so I leave, I leave everybody's eternal destiny alone. Don't you think they'll God, uh, God die and go to hell? The only time I would say that if they looked at me and said, I refuse to accept Jesus as my Savior. Well, then I'm not judging you. The Word has already said, if you don't do that, you will die and go to hell. So I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you what the Word says. Amen? But if you tell me I, I'm a Christian, but I've committed a sin, well, that sent me to hell. I'm not anybody's judge. Uh, and I'll leave that between you and the Lord Jesus. Amen? <clears throat> and so a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people want to, want to pull that up and say, yes, but I decide you're going to die and go to hell. That's, that is above my pay grade. Uh, and I refuse to take that role. I, Jesus said that uh, judgment, all judgment from the Father has been given to him. He never said all judgment given to you. <clears throat> now, now, he said we will judge angels, but as far as judging each other, that, that remains in the hands of the Lord Jesus, and it's above my pay grade, and I will leave it alone. Your eternal destiny, all I need to know is have you accepted Jesus or not? Uh, and, and, and that's as far as I can go. Anything beyond that, I have to leave alone because the Word of God doesn't tell us the, those things. That particular sin will send you to hell. Uh, and we talked some about that on, on Wednesdays. Uh, well, let, let's, let's look at, <clears throat> uh, let's, look at uh, let's turn over to John chapter 4. So if anybody had the right to judge, you, know, think, you think Jesus would have a right to judge because he said that his judgment was righteous, right? Because it was right, it's correct. It's, it's not based upon, well, I just don't think you deserve that. That's what a lot of the church stands in their judgment is their personal opinion. Uh, and it's only things that they're, they're not doing. Um, you know, one of the things that I've observed is, is a lot of times will happen. Uh, in fact, uh, Galatians chapter 6, uh, verse 1, uh, in fact, I'll just read it there. <clears throat> um, give some insight in some of these things because Jesus said it, uh, judgment is governed by the law of sowing and reaping and G Galatians 6.1 gives us some more insight into that. He says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in his fault, ye which are spiritual. Well, that does away with a big percentage of the church right there, right? Ye which are spiritual, not ye which are saved, but ye which are spiritual, right? 
restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. Uh, what's the goal of, of seeing uh, and talking to somebody about their fault? It's to restore them. Amen? It's not, is it to pass judgment over them? No, it's to restore them. Amen? Pass judgment is to, is to assign punishment to their life. Well, you should never be that. You, you know, you should quit church. You should get out of church. We throw you out of church. We should get you off this committee and get you out. You know, uh, they, want to, they want to assign punishment instead of trying to uh, create restoration in someone's life. But he said, if you're spiritual, your goal is to restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. One of the good definitions of meekness is a quiet spirit. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Remember, uh, Jesus said, for the same judgment that you pass, you'll be judged. Well, how does that work? It works just like this right here. You, if you pass judgment over somebody else and their faults and failures, uh, you'll find yourself wake up the very next day with the same exact temptation. You know, a lot, a lot of ministers get up in the pulpit and they'll pick some particular sin, adultery, fornication, whatever, homosexuality, whatever the sin is, and they'll just rail against that one sin, right? Smoking, right, whatever it is. Uh, you know, cheating on, uh, on checkers or something. Just pick some sin and just rail on it. I mean, hard, spitting mad, red-faced mad about that. <clears throat> and they'll wake up the next day and they'll be tempted with that same temptation. How many ministers have we seen preach against, you know, fornication and be found with a prostitute the next day? We've seen it from the pulpit, right? Uh, lots of times. Well, I, I can guarantee you, they didn't say those things because they were doing those things. They, they preached hard against those things and the temptation for those very same things because they were so judgmental about it came to them. And they fell. So, so that's one thing you've got to uh, uh, be careful about when, when you're passing judgment. You know, that person was tempted to do that and they fell, they, they yielded to that temptation, what would you do? What would you have done if that same temptation happened, right? You know, uh, um, Norval Hayes talked about a story. You know, Norval Hayes uh, was married and was divorced, uh, and, um, uh, but he was a very wealthy man. And so because he was a wealthy man and had all kinds of properties and things, uh, uh, people were always, uh, the Lord has spoken to me that I am your next wife. Really? Is that right? Uh, and then he said he had one woman come to his house uh, in, a, in a full mink, uh, mink uh, fur coat and he opened up the door and, and she dropped the coat and there was nothing under that, you know. <clears throat> it was just, you know, her and God right there. Uh, and that was it. Uh, and, uh, and she was tempting him, right? Uh, and he just said he fell on his knees and started praying in tongues. And, um, you know, that'd really get somebody concerned if, if you did that, right? And so that'd be a good way to avoid the temptation. But he never preached hard against sexual sins, right? Uh, and see, if he had, what would he have done in that situation? What would you have done in that situation? Well, come on in, right? I mean, you know, uh, uh, you've got to be careful about preaching hard because somebody else's sins. Uh, because usually w the way it works is, what I've observed is that most people who pick a sin and, and harp really hard against that, it's something they're not doing. They won't preach that hard against sins they are doing. Uh, and, and what will happen is, According, now, I didn't write this, right? Galatians 6.1 says, lest you also be tempted. So you've got to be careful of passing judgment because somebody else fails in their sins. Uh, and, and um, you know, uh, except for the grace of God, there go you. Amen? Uh, you, uh, except for the grace of God. Uh, you know, I, I think about Moses a lot of times and why the Lord picked Moses. Twice the Lord went to Moses and said, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll get rid of the entire nation of Israel and I'll, I'll create a new nation from you. And I've asked myself a lot of times, what would I have done? What would you have done? You're dealing with these people and all they do is accuse you of all manner of evil. You just brought out us here to die. 
You don't care about us at all. You just want to be in charge. You just want to act like you're all that. And Moses is like, I didn't, I didn't ask for this job. I didn't want this. I was tending sheep on the backside of the mountain. And a burning bush told me to go and, and, and uh, de- uh, deliver the people of Israel. I was fine and happy being a shepherd. Uh, I didn't want this job. Didn't look for this job. <clears throat> you just want to be in charge. And Lord says, I'll, I'll, you know, uh, I'll take them all out. And I think, well, if it had been me, I'd be like, well, can you start with that guy? Because he said those mean things. Start with him first, and then you can get rid of the rest. Uh, and and um, what would you have done? If the Lord gave you that opportunity to get rid of all your enemies, what would you do? Moses said, no, Lord, you, uh, you, uh, you won't do these things. You will not do these things. Uh, and uh, he, was very, he was very forthright with the Lord, amen, uh, and, and resisted the Lord uh, in doing those things. And I was talking to somebody one time, they said Moses made the wrong decision. And he said he should have had the Lord to go ahead and um, get rid of those people because they all backslid anyway. I said, well, yeah, but the next group would have backslid anyway because humans are the same. You know, I've been all over the world. The thing, I, the thing I've noticed, people are the same everywhere. Doesn't matter what kind of skin, doesn't matter what language they speak, doesn't matter you know, uh, their nationality, they're the same. Because human beings are the same, right? We're all the same. We're either alive unto God or we're not. <clears throat> and so, so here we are in, in John chapter 4. <clears throat> uh, and, and let's start here. Uh, well, uh, we'll just start, uh, we'll start here. Um, let's just start in verse 5. It says, Jesus then cometh to, uh, he to a city of Samaria, which is called uh, Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Joseph, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away to the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. So the Samaritans were kind of considered half-breeds. They were Originally, they were Jewish people that had married uh, the, the pagan uh, wives, typically. And so they were, you know, Jews that were married into, into the, the Gentile world. And so, because Jews were very particular about that, they shunned the, the Samaritans as being unclean. Uh, and so, so they were kind of halfway Jews, uh, but the, uh, the Jewish nation wouldn't have any, anything to do with them, which is always odd to me because... If you go in the Old Covenant, there's plenty of scriptures that says, hey, when a sojourner or a stranger comes into your country, you know, uh, if, they, if they want to accept Jehovah God as their God, then, then they have to, you know, uh, if, they, if they, there was always a, a, an intent and plan of, of the Lord for the Jewish nation to allow other people to come into the Jewish nation other than those who were born of Abraham. Uh, and yet uh, nowadays they act like none of those verses exist. Well, I don't write them. They've been in the Old Covenant forever. And, 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 but uh, they, they didn't accept the Samaritans at all. Even though the Samaritans want to worship the Lord, you know, she talks here about worshiping the Lord. Uh, and, it's so, and so Jesus answers to her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have given, would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. So now he's preaching the gospel to her, right? Living water. <clears throat> and he, even later on, he, he gives her the exact plan of salvation. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. For whence then hast thou this, that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob? So see, she said, our father Jacob. So, you know, they believed in the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of uh, Isaac. Uh, they believed in, these, uh, in, the, in the Lord God, but the Jews didn't want to have anything to do with him. He said, which gave us his well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. And Jesus answered and said unto her, 
Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever shall drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So here he's talking about the new birth, right? A well of water springing up into everlasting life. Well, that's what Jesus said in John 3, 16, right? That, uh, that you'll have everlasting life. Uh, and so he's talking about being born again, receiving the water of salvation, uh, which will get you born again. So he's preaching this woman, Samaritan, the gospel. Uh, and, and so he continues on. Uh, uh, of course, the woman says unto him, because she's still thinking in the natural terms, right? Sir, give me of this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. So she's still thinking natural, right? So, so you're saying if I, take, if I get this water, then I won't ever have to drink natural water again because it usually fell to the women to go to the well. You know, they had to let the bucket down on a rope there and pull the bucket back up and fill up their buckets. You know, they had to go and they carry, you know, a gallon of water weighs eight pounds. And so they'd have to carry several gallons of water. I don't know how many gallons of water they would carry, but my, I suspect it'd be 10, 20 gallons of water. So, you know, you got 80, 100 pounds of water they got to carry back uh, to, to their uh, wonderful husbands who were making them do all this hard work. Uh, and so, but that was the deal, right? I mean, so that was back, that was the society back then. And so she said, so she's thinking, if you do this, I don't have to work as hard, which is not a bad deal, right? I mean, if, it's a, if that's an option. <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, uh, Jesus, oftentimes when people say things that have no faith in it, he oftentimes just completely ignores everything they say, right? And so, of course, she was just wanting natural things. So he, what did he do in verse 16? He completely ignored what she said. He said, go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had how many husbands? Five husbands. And he whom thou now, now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. So uh, how many times she been married? Five times. Uh, and, the, and the one she's with right now, is, is, is he her husband? No. Well, uh, so we can stop right there, and we need to send her straight to hell, right? Because, I mean, you know, we can't have divorce in the church or anything like that, uh, because that's, that's definitely an unpardonable sin. <clears throat> and, and so Jesus is fixing to tell her, well, then your eternity is set in hell, right? Uh, and so we'll see what he says here in just a minute. Uh, so the woman said, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Well, she's really smart, right? Because he just read her mail, did, now, did she, did she give him his resume? Did she give Jesus her resume about her life history and what she had done and how many times she'd been married and she was living with somebody that wasn't her husband now? Did she tell him that? No. And so did it take a rocket science to go, you must be a prophet? No, she, she, I mean, you at least got to give her some credit, right? <clears throat> so, so she did, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our, so, so now she said, okay, you're a prophet, now I got questions. All right, you must know something, so I've got questions. So that's what she does, right? Uh, I, uh, she said, our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So she wants to know who's right. Mm-hmm. So now she's, at, now, now she's at least she's bold here in this regard, right? She starts asking this man. He's a prophet, so, so he's already read her mail. Uh, and, you know, even in the Old Covenant, you know, it talks about, uh, you know, being in adultery if you're not married or whatever. And uh, if you get divorced and you remarry, you're in adultery. And, uh, and Jesus didn't address any of that. Uh, but he did answer her question. Uh, he said, and, he, and it wasn't really what she was, what she was wanting to hear. He said in verse 21, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. 
Ye worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. And that's an interesting verse, verse 22, uh, because it tells us that the plan of God from, from, from before the foundation of the world was to establish the covenant with the nation of Israel, and that the nation of Israel was going to be the source and the beginning of all the gospel. Salvation is from the Jews. The, the Jews were supposed to go out as a nation and tell the world about the gospel and to allow everybody to come into the, the covenant with, uh, with the Lord God. And, and yet, many, uh, in fact, the, the vast majority of the early evangelists were Jews, but not the leadership. Right? The leadership rejected Jesus, but the, but the nation of, of Israel, uh, many of them, not all of them, but many of them did accept Jesus. But because the leadership didn't, it, it kind of collapsed under itself and then uh, ended, ended up being a Gentile religion. It was always supposed to have come from the Jews. It was always the plan of God to come from the Jews. Uh, he said, but the hour, in verse 23, the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in his spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship. And he talks about God as a spirit, and they that worship him shall worship him in spirit and truth. So then, uh, uh, she continues on, and, and uh, we've got to get to the end of this here in just a second. The woman saith unto him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And, and Jesus, this is very rare, but Jesus said unto her, I am that speaketh unto thee, uh, he said, I that speaketh unto thee am he. It's very rare that, she's, that he told people outside of the disciples that he was the Messiah. Uh, and yet he told her that. Uh, and so now the disciples showed back up, you know, uh, and, um, <clears throat> um, you know, they start asking questions. Uh, but then uh, they had some conversations there. Uh, but the, the point I want to get to down to verse 39, then it says, that, now, this is after the woman uh, uh, had left the, the situation and she went and told uh, the people about what she had heard. It says in verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified. So after she found out he was the Messiah, she went back to her hometown and testified of the Lord Jesus. Uh, and it says, uh, it says many uh, of the Samaritans believed on him for the saying this woman said. So, so she was an evangelist uh, and she went and told the people uh, what Jesus had told her. So when the Samaritans came unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode with there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. And they said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So the, the point of this, and we'll, go, we'll, we'll look at another situation next week, the point of this is, uh, did he ever pass judgment over this woman's life? Did he, did he acknowledge that she was wrong? The, the, the man you got right now is not your husband. He did acknowledge that what she was doing was wrong. You know, he's not your husband. You know, he should be your husband, but he's not your husband. But did he even pass judgment over, you've been married too many times? Did he say that? You're unworthy to receive my blessings. Uh, there's no way that I can bless you because of your lifestyle choices. No. In fact, he preached the gospel to her. And what did she do? She received the gospel. And then she became an evangelist for the gospel. And it says, many, many of the Samaritans, and in verse 39 and verse 41, and many more believed. So many, and then many more, because Jesus didn't pass judgment over this woman's life. He saw the value in her life and was still counted her worthy to receive the blessings of the Lord. Now, would he have been, would he have been uh, righteous in his judgment over her? He is the righteous judge, right? I mean, he could have said, you know, you're unworthy to receive my blessings. You're unworthy because of your life choices and the mistakes you've made. And yet he didn't even mention them. Just allowed her to receive the gospel. And then, and then she, she became a great evangelist. Now, now, 
uh, he could have spoke to somebody else. Would they have had the same results? Probably not. He knew that this woman somehow had the ability uh, to go and encourage other people to accept the Lord. And, and he did not pass judgment over her life. Uh, he acknowledged her, her error, but he did not pass judgment. Uh, and, and, and when we get to John chapter 8, look at the woman caught in the very act of adultery, what we'll find is we've got to find this balance. Uh, the balance is, you know, we don't have to stick our head in the sand, right? Because the, the balance in the church that we get to is, well, we're not going to ever pass judgment, so everything is fine. You all just live however you want to, do whatever you want to. It doesn't matter. Uh, well, you know, we can't do that. You know, sometimes we need to say, well, that's wrong. Well, Jesus acknowledged that what she was doing was wrong. You know, it's not your husband. <clears throat> well, uh, that, that's okay, but, but do, we, do we go beyond that? See, most of the time we do that and we say, well, uh, I mean, the Pentecostal church is really great about this, right? If anybody ever sins, well, then you can never do anything else in the church. He, he called this woman right here to be the very one to, to do the work of the evangelist right here. With all of her failings, he still allowed her to do. He didn't say, now you go back and you repent and you live right for six months and then maybe I'll, I'll come back and bless you. No. He said, you go take this word, you go tell all your friends and you come back. He used this woman with all of her failings. He acknowledged her sin. Now, no doubt she repented, right? And a lot of times, you know, if we could just, just we could just leave it at, well, you know, what you're doing is wrong and, and just and not pass any judgment at all. And people will straighten up. She did. Amen. But, the, but see, the church, we get into one or two uh, ruts. Either we're way over here and we'll send everybody to hell for everything they've ever done wrong, which is just terrible, right? And this woman would have never gotten many of these Samaritans uh, born again to receive the Messiah, right? Because when you receive the, the Messiah, you get born again. Now, they weren't born again until after the work of the cross. But just like Abraham and all the other saints of old, when they received the promise of the Messiah, they had their eternal destiny set in heaven. And so all these Samaritans had their eternal destiny set in heaven because of this woman with her failings. Uh, and so Jesus acknowledged her sin. Or we get this other, other side of the ditch over here and we say nothing is wrong at all. We can just do, just do whatever we want to. Nothing is no sin. There's no error. Well, both of those are wrong. The balance that we need to find in the church is, well, yeah, there's absolutes in church, and here's the best for you. Here's what's to do right, and, and what you're doing right there is wrong, and you, and you need to not do that. Uh, and then if the Spirit of God tells you that you might have to do something else, then you know, sometimes there are other things. You know, People just uh, won't, won't listen. But she was listening, wasn't she? Wasn't she listening? Uh, he said, uh, you know, I'm going to give you water. I want some of that. He said, well, I'm the Messiah. Okay, well, I, I believe that. She was listening. So she wasn't hard. She wasn't, she, you know, people just, most people just, just trying to get by in life. They're not trying to be saints. They're not trying to be uh, Pharisees. They're trying to get by in life and they make mistakes. And, you know, they're just not terrible people. And Jesus, you know, he didn't spend a, a, any minute on, on telling her how sorry she was about the sin. Well, you know, the Bible says you can't do that. You know, he didn't go on any dissertation about her sin. He acknowledged it. He said that what you're doing, you know, I, I, this, this, you know, what you're doing is wrong. And, and she's like, well, you must be a prophet. She didn't argue the case. She didn't say, well, you know, I've got needs. And, you know, she, she, she just went on and he went on. Uh, and so are we not able to find that balance in the church, you know, to see where there's an error? Because if scripture, is the scripture clear about marriage and divorce? So it is, right? Can we not see that and, and just go on? But in the, especially in the Pentecostal church, and I think in, in actually most denominational churches too, but see, you got, you got either, you got both ditches, right? And, and many, especially Pentecostal churches, if you get divorced, then that's it. You know, you're, you're tainted for life. Amen? 
she was actually used more than, than, than at this point in time than all the other apostles, right? They didn't, weren't great evangelists until after the cross, after the resurrection. Uh, before this point in time, she got more people born again than all the other people at this time, or at least accepted the Lord Jesus, right, uh, in his work. Uh, and, so, and she was a Samaritan, unworthy of, of any uh, value from the church, uh, uh, unworthy of any uh, uh, acceptance of the church at all. Uh, and so uh, that's what the Lord Jesus was. In the Pentecostal church, if you make the same mistake, you will be put in a corner and time out forever. But you can still give your check. You can give your check, it's fine, right? But as far as doing anything in the church, you can't do anything, but we'll take your check, right? Cash is accepted too, right? Uh, but, 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 actually, but as far as preaching the gospel, hey, we're going out and doing uh, 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 witnessing on Saturday. Oh, I'm going to go. No, you can't go because you've been married once. Well, this woman been married five times, and he's, he let her go out and preach the whole, whole gospel, right? Uh, she did pretty good, right? <clears throat> and so who are we to pass this judgment? Let's see if the Spirit of God says this person is not only living this way, they're promoting, hey, all y'all need to get divorced. And, you know, I mean, okay, then we got a problem, right? If they're out there doing things and causing other people to make mistakes, well, that's an issue, right? But this woman, just a regular old woman, just trying to get by in life, amen? He, he said nothing about it. He did, did he acknowledge that what she was doing was wrong? He did, amen? And it's even more clear when we get to John chapter 8, uh, the distinction of that. And, but we'll have to cover that next week because we're out of time today. The, the whole point of this is that we need to find the balance of the Lord Jesus, amen? We don't have to stick our head in the sand and say there's no sin, right? Because that's wrong. But we don't need to stand with our little finger pointed at everybody but they may make a mistake in life and you're of no value to the Lord the rest of your life. Because that's what they t tell divorced people. You're of no value to the Lord Jesus the rest of your natural life. Which is just terrible. You know, she's not even a Jew. And he, he elevated her. Uh, she was unworthy because she said, the Jews have nothing to do with us. He's like, yeah, but you're a human being. I created your spirit and, and that makes you valuable to me. Did he create your spirit? He did. That makes you valuable to him. If you're valuable to him, then you've got to be valuable to me. Uh, amen. And for me to pass judgment that you're unworthy of the blessings of the Lord because of, of a mistake that you've made uh, is, is a role that I refuse to take. Amen. <clears throat> now, and uh, the, way, the way the Lord Jesus take it, the way I take it, I take every situation on its own merits. I pass no, no, no uh, uh, blanket judgment over everybody's life that makes a mistake. I, it's not my job. I refuse to take that role, amen? Because I see how the Lord Jesus operated, and I think, well, I want to operate like that, mm. amen? Because uh, he said, if the same judgment, if, see, if, you harsh, if you're harsh and, and you say, well, you made that mistake, you are unworthy to ever do anything for the Lord the rest of your natural life, then, then which mistake that you commit will also disqualify you from ever uh, operating with the Lord the rest of your natural life. And, 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 it's, and it, it, it's, to me, it's like, you're, you're saying that this person, is, especially if you're young, that they're going to spend the next 30 years of their life of no value to the Lord. That their, their whole rest of their life is of no value to the Lord. That's throwing away an entire life for somebody. For Yeah, they made a mistake, but you're saying that they're of no value the rest of the... the then why did the Lord bring them unto the earth? Amen? It would have been better for them not to be born than to be born and be of no value to the Lord. And, and the, Lord's, the Lord's response is, are you breathing air? Then we can make it right. Uh, amen? Uh, and that's the way I see it. Are you breathing air? Then there's hope for everybody. Uh, and, and for us to say you're unqualified the rest of your life is standing in a position even the Lord Jesus himself would not take and showed us by example that he didn't take that. 
uh, and refuse to live that way. Uh, and so I'm going to live like the Lord Jesus lived. That, 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 that makes it somewhat unpopular in certain circles, right? I mean, some people in, in the ministry would, be un, would think that, uh, you know, I'm wrong. <clears throat> well, I'd rather be wrong like Jesus than wrong like you. Amen? Because he sees the value in people because he created us, our spirits. Amen? If he created our spirits, then he sees your value. And, and I've got to see your value in spite of your faults. Amen? Because I, I'm not perfect. I mean, I look perfect, but I'm not perfect, right? I mean, I made a mistake once. It was 14 years ago Tuesday. Uh, but, you know, uh, uh, you know it, it's, uh, uh, we're all human beings, amen? Uh, and um, if, if I just want to pick your sins out as making you unqualified without reviewing my sins, I'm in a heap of trouble, amen? Uh, I will fail Galatians 6.1. And so uh, can we do this? Can we live like the Lord Jesus? You know, you come back next week, and, and it's, to me, it's, uh, uh, John chapter 8 is even a better example here. That, uh, we'll, see, we'll see the balance of how we're supposed to operate as a church. And if we could find this balance, then we would let anybody come, come in that door there and, and, and see the value of that human being instead of looking down and, oh, oh, oh you mean you've done that in your past? Oh, we never can have that. We can't have that around here, you know. Uh, I mean... Whatever, right? Everybody's valuable to Lord Jesus. He died for everybody last time I checked, amen? Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that, uh, that you saw the value in this, this woman, Father, and where the church would have thrown her away, you used her for a great revival uh, to advance your kingdom in the lives of the Samaritans, Father. You used a woman with, with failings, Father, that the church would have cast aside long ago <clears throat> and yet father you saw life in her you preached life into her father uh, and lord we thank you that you uh, said that she was worthy of eternal life uh, and you preached eternal life to her father she she had value in your sight and so father we see value in every human being on the earth we refuse to stand in the, the position of judge father it's above our pay, pay grade i am no man's judge i refuse to have that role father I can look at a situation and see what the Word of God says in relation to that. But beyond that, Lord, uh, you're the judge. You judge uh, what, should res what should happen in people's lives. That is not my role, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> praise God. Is the Lord good? Uh, you know, I know a lot of people, I mean, uh, that, that will not come to church because they feel like they've made a mistake and the Lord, the Lord will never forgive them. And why, why, why are they of that opinion? Because the church has told them that you've made a mistake and the Lord can never use you the rest of your life. I mean, this woman made six mistakes, right? Married five times and the one she's with is still not right. That's six mistakes. Six, as far as the church goes, six fatal uh, errors. And Lord Jesus, I need an evangelist to, to the Samaritan world. Oh, hey, you look like you're perfectly qualified to me. Uh, picked her out of a crowd, right? You think it was a mistake that he ended up at that particular well with that particular woman? No, the Spirit of God, you go to that well. You go find that woman. That woman, not her brother, not her cousin, not her perfect uh, aunt. Right? You find that woman. And the Lord, okay, I'll do it, Lord. Uh, and so I'm thankful for the Lord, amen. You know, this is not, is this new information? Did the Lord just write this today? It's been in the, church, in the Bible for thousands of years. Why does the church live this way? Why are we so hard on everybody that makes a mistake? Especially when it comes to marriage and divorce, right? I mean, we love that one because I've been married for 34 years, you know, and so uh, therefore I've never made a mistake. Uh, you know, that's the, so that's the only measurement of my, my success or failure is if I've been married. You know, some people are miserable in their marriage for 34 years, amen? 
Uh, I've, been, I've had days of heaven on earth for my 34 years. Uh, and so, but some people are so legalistic, they'll stay divorced and be miserable for all those years. Well, how is that better? I mean, you know, I'm not saying get a divorce. You know, I'm not, I'm not encouraged. Well, he's saying get a divorce. I'm not saying get a divorce. I'm just, you ought to change though and grow up is what you ought to do, right? And so then it should be days of heaven on the earth. Amen. Well, come ahead, Mr. Jared. We'll receive this morning's offering. Don't forget, uh, today at 3 o'clock, we'll have healing school. <clears throat> and um, we've started on a new book uh, from T, Dr. T.J. McCrossin called Bodily Healing and the Atonement. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> it's uh, just a book that he wrote really to, back in 1930 uh, to kind of dispel a lot of the intellectualism that was getting in the church to do away with the supernatural aspect of God and trying to say how that healing was fine when Jesus was in the earth, but he didn't really intend for that to continue after he left the earth because it would be of no value to anybody, right, to be healed, which, I mean, which doesn't make any sense, right? <clears throat> and and um, there's so many promises of the old covenant uh, to be healed, right? He said, I am the Lord who healeth thee in Exodus 15, 26. Uh, and so if he said that to the old covenant, but he told us we have a better covenant based upon better promises, how would it be better that healing doesn't belong to us today? It was belonged to them in the old covenant, but doesn't belong to us today. So somehow that's better, right? Well, that just doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, and so anyway, so the book is, is, a, is a good book. Uh, and uh, we're going through that. Uh, we just started it, uh, what, two weeks ago or so. So uh, we'll continue that today. And be blessed. Uh, have a wonderful week, Lord. You're dismissed.